Okay, I hope I'm on the right page. No. No, that's not right. It's not? No, it's this one. You're clean, aren't you? Except for your tower. You're a tower junkie, Roland. Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Tower Junkies is a podcast celebrating the work of Stephen King with an occasional focus on his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series. We discuss the themes, characters, and mythology of the series in Palaver episodes occasionally, or eventually, and review the books and comic series in Kef episodes occasionally, or eventually. We also discuss non-Tower King novels, TV and film adaptations of King's work, and the latest news about all things that serve the King. You can find more of our work at TowerJunkiesPod.com. You can also like the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash TowerJunkiesPod, and follow us on every level of social media at Tower Junkies Pod. And if you want to support what we do here, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. Um, I don't have a goofy um, ad read for that, but uh, $1 per month gets you exclusive B-roll episodes recorded specifically for Patreon spread across all three of our podcasts. Uh, $2 per month gets you that, plus TV reviews and reaction episodes, including weekly immediate reviews of Loki, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Lisey's story, and more shows to come. Um, And $5 a month gets you all of that, plus movie commentary tracks. And $10 gets you all of that, plus early access two podcast episodes, and previously unreleased content. Again, that's at patreon.com hiccup slash obsessive viewer. <laughs> patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. So I'm one of your hosts, Matt Hurt, and with me today, as usual, is Pizza Roll, making an appearance. Ouch. And also Tiny? Hi. Yeah. Hi, Tiny. Yellow. How's it going? It's going good, man. Good. Um. So we are, this is part two of our... Different seasons um, projects mm-hmm. that, uh, yeah, if you heard our Shawshank Redemption um, episode, we reviewed that, we recorded that a couple of months before it, and the plan was to release all of the, release each episode of the different seasons, novella collection, dedicate um, an individual episode to each novella and its adaptation. Um, and release those on the corresponding first day of the season that it corresponds with. Um, so, Tiny, how are you doing on this June 23rd, two <laughs> days after uh, the start of summer? Yeah, we're just a scotch late. Yep, just a scotch. And, yeah, uh, yeah. I do want to say, Tiny, do you know what the significance of June 21st was, aside from being the summer solstice? June 21st. We talked about it in January, I think, when we recorded the Shawshank episode. Well, that was six months ago. It was. Uh, is this... It's not the anniversary of the podcast. Is it, though? Is it the anniversary when you first posted the first yes, episode? Yes, okay. yes, But it's not the anniversary when we first recorded. No, the first time we recorded was June 15th. I knew it was in the teens. Yes, at that one guy's place that <laughs> I, I <laughs> haven't what, talked to. What's his name, man? Yeah. I don't know. Uh. I still haven't talked to him like at all. Oh yeah, me it's weird. Yeah. Anyway, yep. Um, so so yeah. is, this, is this when the episode first posted? Was June twenty first? June twenty first, twenty thirteen. Fucking a. Yes. Wow. Yes. So eight so eight years. years. Eight años. Yes. Eight años. Eight. I don't know any other. I'm not sure I do yeah. either. Yeah. Um. 
eight years, eight revolutions around the sun. Right. Um, yeah. So this will be the last pot. No, no. Can you imagine? <laughs> I don't know what I would do. All right. Play video games. Um, <laughs> um, have some other hobby that I uh, postpone at the last minute uh, every time we have scheduled recordings. Um, so. Well, congratulations on eight years, buddy. Oh, thank you. Congratulations to you as well. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you do a lot more than I do. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Um, <laughs> it's your cross to bear. It it sure beats having any kind of uh, emotional connection with human beings. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. It's actually funny because uh, <laughs> um, before you came over, and this was something I was going to talk about before beforehand, I don't want to, I don't know if I want to say it here. But uh, <laughs> in those eight years, we started with Obsessive Viewer, June mm-hmm. 15th, yeah. 2013, recording. Um, and then a couple of years later, I started Anthology. Um, and then uh, a couple of years after that, we started Tower Junkies, which is the podcast you're listening to now. Yep. And then like a year and a half or two years ago, uh, I threw us into the whole Patreon game. <laughs> With way too much content. Oh my god, are you announcing something new? I'm not announcing. Okay. But I am thinking. Okay. <laughs> I have this idea for something for Patreon <laughs> that <laughs> would essentially be a fourth podcast. Oh boy. Or fifth. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I recorded something before you came over. Um, it is something that I would tether to anthology, um, which is my solo sci-fi anthology podcast and i'll go ahead and say what what this idea is i'm thinking like probably like four dollar patreon level okay putting a new tier where i would just record like solo or group episodes um just me talking about science fiction because okay i love science fiction i don't i don't uh consume it enough as as i would like to okay and this was born because on patreon I have been, or I started to and then dropped off because I got too wrapped up in the video games, but Mass Effect Legendary Edition came out. Right. And that has consumed my life the last few weeks. Um, I beat the trilogy, (laughs) Um, (laughs) and I'm going to go back and replay them, but I had like... I was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to chart my, for Patreon, I'm going to record like, like progress reports and stuff. And then that turned into bullet points for each individual game and all of this stuff. And then I was like, mm-hmm. I could start a Mass Effect podcast. Right. And then I was like, I could start a science fiction podcast because <laughs> there's so much other stuff. Um, and so then I made a list of all the things I could cover on a science fiction podcast. Wow. Um, and the other kind of branching out point, I think if I do this, there's no guarantee but I'm very excited about it because if I do that, the first episode would be, again, this would be a Patreon exclusive thing. So you would have to pledge on Patreon. Um, but the first episode would be something I had been planning um, for just Patreon in general. But it would be a um, a breakdown of like the kind of the big movies and shows and books and everything of science fiction that I've consumed throughout my life. So starting with like my earliest memories of science fiction, like seeing Jurassic Park in the theater, Mm -hmm. seeing Super Mario Brothers in the theater, (laughs) (laughs) um, all of this stuff and just have like kind of a, a, a chronology of my, my growth as a fan of science fiction. And 
the title that I want to have for this episode of it, it might just be just a Patreon, one-off Patreon thing. It might be the start of a whole Patreon subset of episodes. Mm-hmm. But do you want to hear the title? Yes. Um, <clears throat> the title of that episode would be My Sci-Fi Timeline, My Guys. Oh. It's my sci-fi timeline, my guys. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, and you're like really proud of that. I'm very proud of it. <laughs> my sci-fi timeline, my guys. <laughs> I keep saying it to myself and giggling. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe that's something. Maybe I recorded something about uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey by Arthur C. Clarke that I mm. recently read. So okay. I don't know. Anyway, so like the episodes would be. Like themes in a way. Yeah, it would just be me talking about something that I watched, played, viewed, read. Uh, gotcha. Something about science fiction. Okay. Um. So yeah. Cool. So well, I mean that's that's cool. Yeah, it is something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I so, so I haven't listened to your Mass Effect stuff. Okay. Because I haven't really. I played the first right. one back. 10 however many years ago i think you played the second one could be because it was on playstation could be yeah and yeah. i pressured you into it right and i um, enjoyed it i thought it was really good yeah oh yeah um but i i don't play video games anymore mm-hmm. but um so i haven't listened to it i heard the snippet though today i listened to one of your episodes huh. um and i heard the snippet at the end oh from nice your mass effect stuff so nice. i'd be into it i mean i'd yeah. listen all right. so, yeah. Sweet. It's a good idea. Sweet. Nice. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you. Well, this is a Stephen King podcast, though. <laughs> it is. Okay. So, it is the summer solstice. It is summertime now. Mm-hmm. We have the air conditioner running, so hopefully it's not causing any, any, any interference and everything. Yeah. Um, I don't have any Stephen King check-ins or news, because I'm going to save that for um, our episode we're recording after this about Lisey's story, episodes three and four. Mm-hmm. But I do want to mention kind of up front that the original intention was to do a review of the novella of Apt Pupil and the adaptation by disgraced director Brian Singer and noted pervert and predator uh, Brian Singer. Mm-hmm. But upon positing, positing whether or not we should review that uh, and reflecting on it and discussing it off mic, we had a we had a business meeting between me and Tiny and the aforementioned pizza roll. <laughs> um, we decided we're just going to talk about the novella because there's too much, um, just disgusting, uh, abhorrent uh, things and and that happened on the set of the movie of Apt Pupil mm-hmm. that I I don't I I don't want to talk about it. And some of it was captured on film. And made it into the movie, correct? Um, not. I, I think it was. Uh, it was basically the way that um, it's described on um, a much popular Stephen King podcast. <laughs> um, is that the way that the camera like shows? Um, oh my god, what's his name? Uh, the main actor. Um, Brad Renfro. Brad Renfro. Mm-hmm. Brad Renfro. The way that the camera lingers on him it's like it's it's kind of has this very uh maybe they i don't know they 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 said that it had this kind of almost predatory kind of look to it the way that the camera Mm. kind of focused on him and everything also the 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 some of the um allegations against brian singer i believe um include instances that were alleged to have taken place on the set of Apt People, in the set of the 
the filming of the the shower scene. Right. Okay. Um. So yeah. So let's uh let's not. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I agree with the decision. I think it's. I mean, yeah. I I had to think about it too, but I think mm-hmm. it, I think we made the right decision. Uh, yeah, me too. It's hard because there's a bunch of people who worked on that movie who weren't pieces of shit. Yeah, I agree. Who tried really hard and you know made artistic performances and created art, and that has to be tainted by the actions of another person. That's a shame, but uh, right. I, I think I think we made the right decision. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Yeah. Um. So the novella, though. Yes. Um. Yeah, there's there's hopefully nothing abhorrent about the novella. Yeah, hopefully nothing. Um <laughs> uh how did how did you feel about the novella? What's your history with with apt people as a novella and uh, I guess the movie? <laughs> yeah, well, um we don't so, need to talk about that, but I go ahead. Well, just to get the movie out of the way. I've mm-hmm. seen it and mm-hmm. it's a good movie and I am a Ammon was a huge fan of Brad Renfro. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tragically died when he was in his 20s. Um, yeah. I think he had a big drug problem, mm-hmm. um, possibly because he was abused uh, right. as a young man. Um, so it, that's really sad, and I, it's, it's a shame that he's gone. But um, the movie's really good, and, and mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not saying people shouldn't watch it. Um, but it's it can be hard to watch uh, for certain reasons, but uh, it's, it is definitely yeah. a good movie. Um, the book, I think the last time we recorded uh, about Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I mentioned that I had not read this before. Right. Which was incorrect. I had read it. Oh, before. okay. Yeah. So, because as I was reading Scandal. it. Scandal. Yeah. As I was reading <laughs> it, I was like, wait a minute, I've read this before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I read it a long time ago, like mm-hmm. before adulthood, like I was a teenager or something. I don't think it was like when I first got into Stephen King. I don't think it was. Oh, okay. Um, it wasn't uh, like when I was like the summer before seventh right. grade when I first got into Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Um, and I read it as like a separate, it wasn't part of uh, different seasons. Interesting. It was like a separate book, like a book just, it was just at pupil. Okay. It's like just those 300 pages or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember, I think maybe it was just a little, I, I, I don't know. I guess I couldn't latch onto it as a teenager because I'm so different than Todd Bowden and like, cause he, he, as we will discuss, uh, mm. is an incredibly disturbed, uh, young man. Right. Uh, and, and I think, I don't know. It's almost like I tried to push it from my mind or something. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why I did that, but, uh, as soon as I started reading it, it started coming back to me and I was like, Oh yeah, that's, I remember this is how it ends. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so that's kind of my history with it, but, um, I, to, to bring it to now, I'm really glad that we are doing this and mm-hmm. I read it again because it is so freaking good. Yes. I, I really, really loved it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think I liked it almost as much as uh, uh, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Oh, nice. Um, I, uh, spoiler, uh, I did too. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I think, I think it's, I think it's a very unique story to the King verse. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think he's never written anything else like this. I think it's really, um, it's, it's such a, such a human story in so many ways. And and yeah. there's there's like no supernatural horror stuff to it or anything, right? Uh, much like a lot of the other stories in this in this uh, this collection of novellas. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he was just I guess he was just really on a roll yeah. when he was when he was compiling these stories for this book um, because apt pupil is just a page turner and, and yes, it's really really compelling and um, it's. Uh, 
really really villainous <laughs> yeah is the word that comes to mind i feel like there's two there's there's two the two main characters are villains yeah very chilling hardly any um uh what's the word i'm looking for redeemable hardly, characters yeah hardly redeemable characters yeah. there's there's no protagonism there's right it's it's just very it's it, but it's not per- i guess it is kind of dark but mm-hmm. it doesn't feel I guess it doesn't celebrate those things, maybe? Right. I'm not sure how to contextualize it, but it's... it's an interesting kind of... Doesn't romanticize it, I yeah, guess? Yeah. It's this interesting... Uh, I don't want to say... You know, I, like you said, I don't want to say romanticism, but um, it's this interesting kind of dissection of these two... Like, these two, two people at different parts of their lives who have these... These... This darkness within them. And the dichotomy between them about one is a is you know, um, flirting with it, or he is he's um exploring it, while the other is keeping it like down mm-hmm. and and trying to move on from it. Um, what I respect is that Stephen King doesn't present uh Dusanda as being uh like really regretful or anything mm-hmm. it's 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 a really interesting kind of dichotomy between him and and uh todd bowden 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 um but just to to say because i forgot to say this at the top, uh we're gonna do non-spoiler i think and a spoiler review mm-hmm. but after people was released august 27th 1982 in the different seasons uh collection the plot summary courtesy of stephenking.com is a golden school uh, a golden California schoolboy and an old man whose hideous past he uncovers enter into a fateful and chilling mutual parasitism. Uh, parasitism. Parasitism. Um, parasitism. I'm not sure on that one. That's yeah. weird. Um, yeah, I don't know. Parasitism. <laughs> um, which is a love of Bong Joon-ho's uh, Oscar-winning movie. <laughs> um, nice. So anyway... Uh, yeah, so non-spoilers, we kind of already touched on a lot of it, but, mm-hmm. um, man, I really, really was taken with this novella. Um, right. it is something that, um, for a collection of novellas that isn't necessarily, or is billed as not being, um, a horror collection, um, we see that with... We will see that with um, The Body, and we have seen that with Shawshank, um, Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption, but with The Breathing Method and with um, Apt Pupil, we have more grounded horror elements, well, not with The Breathing Method, but with Apt <laughs> Pupil, we have a more grounded, horrific experience, Right. and what I love about it is that, like I said, that dissection, that that the way that they influence each other it's this very twisted, um, very twisted um, story. Yeah I, yeah, I think what the what's so great about the novel and why it's easy to get into is I think a lot of us had a similar notion to Todd Bowen. Nazi where, ideations. <laughs> well, no, like it's where you find out. I remember, like as a kid, learning about the Holocaust, mm-hmm. and you you develop this kind of morbid curiosity because it's such a horrific thing that nothing that horrible has ever happened again, mm-hmm. and it's it, it's it's so idealized, and for lack of a better word, it's kind of fetishized by some people. And I think most of us, when we hear about it, we have that 
morbid curiosity, mm-hmm. and we want to learn more about just how horrific the human experience can be, and that's uh, probably the most famous example of it, is mm-hmm. the Holocaust, uh, in, in both suffering and in uh, com- perpetrating something that awful through the Nazi party and through anti-Semitism and things like that. And so I, I think a lot of people around the age, you know, maybe 11, 12, 13 is when mm-hmm. you first get introduced to the, what the Holocaust is and you yeah. you have that morbid curiosity. And the degree that Todd Bowden takes it to mm-hmm. is it's extreme at first mm-hmm. and then it just gets more and more disturbing and yes. I think that's kind of the end, you know, and that's mm-hmm. that's how people get involved in it. The reader gets involved in it and gets mm-hmm. uh, into the story. And from there, it just takes off and goes down this really, really disturbing road. Yeah. So. Um, and kind of as a brief sidetrack with that uh, comment about, you know, learning about the Holocaust and everything. Um, as a teenager and everything, did you, uh, I don't want to get into a whole thing, but, mm-hmm. uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, her comments, uh, the oh, QAnon congresswoman or something. I haven't seen her comments on it. Yeah. She said that, um, being forced to wear masks is the same as the Holocaust. Gotcha. Um, and then she doubled down on that and said, <laughs> Um, go ahead and listen to Anthology, my Death's Head Revisited review, because I, I have sound clips on that. But anyway, um, she doubled down on that. And then, like, within the last week, she was like, I visited, um, a, a Holocaust museum, and now I know, uh, the severity of the Holocaust. I'm like, now you know? Yeah. Bitch, you're like 40. <laughs> <laughs> For real. Um, yeah, that doesn't absolve you from that. Also, you think that there's, like, Jewish lasers or something, because you're a fucking whack job. Wow. Um, anyway. So anyway, um, the Holocaust is bad. <laughs> yes. Um, Nazism is horrendous. And it's interesting that like reading this book and re- reading this novella, um, I'm about to be 35. And like I a few years ago, I read a book about about uh, the rise and fall of uh, the Third Reich. Um, mm, yeah. And like, obviously, bef- like before then, I knew the severity of the Holocaust. I knew like the I knew about it, but just reading about it uh is it it is it is horrendous the devil's in the details yeah and yeah. uh and the way that king writes todd bowden um i just remembered that i was bringing up my notes um as as someone who is flirting with that is is just so so disturbing and um just for lack of a better word just really really fucked up right um it's it's crazy that the the literal nazi is the lesser of two evils right uh in the story i mean that that someone's mind came up with a story like that uh, especially like a you know like the description you just read that the he's like this golden california boy he's right you know a bright young student and a mm-hmm. promising athlete and all these things and just he seems very cookie cutter and on on this path but underneath Right. You know, uh, unbeknownst to so many people, he's this mm. literal monster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A figurative monster, but... Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I was going to start this um, with... Uh, first question I have for Tiny. Nazis, good or bad? <laughs> um, bad. Yes. Uh, it's... Yeah, I have so many notes. Jesus. Um, yeah, so anything else on non-spoilers? Did you... Um, when you read it, uh, did you, did you remember the ending, obviously? I did, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, pretty, uh, I think, I think it's a really good ending. Mm -hmm. Um, because this, the story is a progression of disturbances. (laughs) Yeah. Of disturbing things, right? Mm. Just, you know, it, it's, starts out relatively tame where, Mm Todd wants the gory details of what it was like to be the right. head, head commandant or whatever of a concentration mm. camp. Um, and that's that's appalling. But then by the time yeah. you get to the end, it's like, well, <laughs> I wish we could go back to those days. Right. Um, and it just gets worse. And he, he buys him a, a uniform that he yeah. makes him wear. He makes him march. Mm-hmm. And then he just go keeps going down that path. And it's all downhill from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh it's just a really good book. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, should we uh, go into spoilers for it? Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, I'm going to play some music here. Uh, we're going to go into spoilers for Apt People, the novella. Probably talk about a little... I don't know. We won't talk about the movie. But uh, to break it up, I'm going to play a little bit of music here. Um, and when we come back, we're going to be spoiling Apt Pupil. I was going to take a picture of you staring at pizza because it looked like you were just glaring at her. I wasn't. I was yeah. just thinking. He said your name first. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, apt pupil, the novella, um, spoilers on, uh, there is, uh, there are a couple of, um, Stephen King isms in it or, or, um, references that I detected. Um, first is that Andy Dufresne is referenced as Dusander's banker. Um, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, it's mentioned, he's mentioned as a, cause, uh, Dusander says something like, um, something like, oh yeah, my banker killed his wife and is, he's up in, he's up the river. Uh. Um, and then also Dusander's, uh, hospital room is room 217. Oh, okay. Yeah. I may have missed that one. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, yeah, um, just going through my notes and everything, um, you referenced the scene where Todd gives him the, uh, uniform mm-hmm. and shouts instructions at him. Like, that is so disturbing. <laughs> right. That is incredibly disturbing. And I also have in my notes, kids are scary. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Todd is disturbed, but also he's a child and his flirtation and interest in Nazism and masochism isn't final. So I feel like the tragedy of the novella is that Todd disappears into these darker impulses and desires rather than, you know, growing out of them and, and becoming like an actual adult. Right. Um, that's kind of the underlying tragedy of the novella. Did you uh, feel that same way? Oh, for sure. Like, like I said, I think the morbid curiosity very quickly morphs into sadism or yeah just evil i don't i don't even know what else to call it yeah um just uh, bloodlust uh mm-hmm. it's horrific but uh yeah like puberty you would think you know once puberty hits he develops more of a conscience when his brain grows or something like that but mm-hmm. i guess that part of his his brain is just switched off and he gets worse and worse um but yeah. but i i think what's again further compelling about the story is that they kind of they kind of push each other mm-hmm. um, and, and, you know, Danker was very, um, j- just kind of resigned by the yeah. time Todd came along and was, had separated his 
current persona and his identity from mm. what he did in the war. I don't think that he tried to say he was, you know, the just following orders thing. I think he, yeah. he was definitely a believer. He did not think Jews were human and he enjoyed killing Jews. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that was a part of his life 40 years ago or whatever. It's, right. He's just, it's it's different now. And yeah. um, he he was, at the time, just an innocent old, innocent old man, mm-hmm. uh, as far as everyone knew. Yeah. Um, and then it's, it's it, what happens is, Todd starts bringing these things up and it starts to get his blood up and I guess that that's how I'd put it but it, you know he starts killing things again and he yeah. starts his bloodlust returns I guess mm-hmm. and it's and they they sort of kind of start one-upping each other to the point where they're just murdering people. It it is so incredible the way that King writes that build up that right. the way that the relationship in the um toxicity of that relationship grows between them is so fucked up yeah like it is this really really weird skewed fucked up um mentor mentee relationship and um like it it is um it it's it's really just like I said, disturbing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it even gets to the point where, where, uh, Denker or Desonder is helping him with his grades. <laughs> and it's, it is like, that's the part where I was just like, that is so, it becomes this very, almost like not necessarily labyrinthian, but like this very twisted, um, kind of, kind of back and forth where like people are like, kids are screaming in the hallway. Um, <laughs> Jesus. She did not like after people. Apparently, not. Um, no. So um, I don't. I think the mic picked it up. I don't know. Anyway, um, so uh, yeah. So so anyway, um, it is this back and forth that's so twisted and grows so uh, just aggressively throughout uh, between them and everything um, that when it reaches a point where they actually have like a weird, like actual like sort of positive mentor mentee relationship, like when he's right. helping him with the grades. It is out of self-preservation. Like it's right. because he he doesn't want to get caught, or they the, it's it turns into this very fucked up um, uh, game of kind of cat and mouse. Yeah, it's like it's like a means to an end. It's it's yeah. Every, everything becomes um, a balancing act, a balance, or or yeah. an obstacle to the fulfillment of bloodlust or yeah murder or whatever it is i i, I don't even know how to classify it um mm-hmm. uh serial killing i guess but i I, again, right. I don't know what you call the mental compulsion that they have yeah. to do that I, I don't know um but yeah that's it's it's weird how it's like it's like every, everything everything funnels towards that one desire mm-hmm. and it's like even uh, i think one of the more interesting parts is um where he loses he loses his virginity um todd yeah. does obviously and he um he basically doesn't enjoy it he gets no right sexual gratification from sex the, yeah he, and he puts up puts up an appearance like puts up appearances and and he right. fakes it <laughs> right uh and it's it's disturbing because it's not that he's it's it's not that he's like uh, it's it's not because he's like not interested in it or anything it's because he can't form that connection or he right. is he is such a just he's a sociopath <laughs> yeah the the the, ple- um, the pleasure receptors in his brain are attached to 
inflicting pain on others. It, exactly. Because so. he has like the the wet, wet dream. dreams where yeah. he's essentially harming someone and that's yeah. what gets him hard. But instead of having regular intercourse and achieving pleasure that way, he would rather be, I don't know, electrocuting Torturing, that person, torching that yeah. person, and that would get him off. And that's yeah. incredibly disturbing for a Very. 17, 18 year old kid. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the way that both of them, when they, when they get into this, um, this kind of, um, game of cat and mouse to an extent where mm-hmm. they both have these different, like different ways that they have, um, they don't, they don't trust each other rightfully so. So they tell each other that they have these kind of insurance policies on each other. Right. Um, or they have like these, these kind of backup plans, this, um, uh, way that like, okay, if you kill me, the truth is going to come out. If you kill me, I'm going to like everything, your life is going to be ruined or whatever. Right. Um, that I've thought was incredibly well, well done and, and, uh, really, uh, really upped the tension and really made the story kind of really be more, uh, psychological in, in the thriller aspect of it. Right. Yeah. It was it was amazing. Well, and especially because they're both bluffing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and oh, and, yeah. and the 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 more interesting part is that I think um, Denker or Dusander, mm-hmm. he's he knows it right right away. I think he yeah. he figures it out. He's like, oh, this kid's full of shit. Right. Whereas Todd buys it for mm-hmm. a while, and it's like, well, yeah, he's a fucking kid. He doesn't right. doesn't know any better. He's never yeah. he doesn't have any life experience. Right. Um. It, it exemplifies the you know the gap between them. It, mm-hmm. it, it'd be interesting to see how far they're their game of cat and mouse to use your analogy, which is, is perfect um, to see how far that game would go. If Denker do Sander had never had his heart attack. Yeah. Um, just how far it would go. They would end up in a bloody bloodbath between right. each other or something like that. Who knows? Um, but obviously the man, that ending. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll get to the ending. Okay. I do want to talk about the heart attack though. Yeah. Um, so throughout the novella, uh, I I was I was thinking like I don't know how this is going to end because I hadn't watched the movie I knew nothing about the ending of the book, mm-hmm. um or the story at all, and so the whole time I'm like I like this is gonna this is like I'm I'm grooving on it I'm really into it and I'm thinking like I don't know how this is going to end and then in classic Stephen King fashion. <laughs> He pulls the rug out from under you, has this fucking heart attack, like like Denker has this heart attack, and it just throws a a. Uh, uh, throws a wrench in the spoke of of everything going on and that just takes it into a different trajectory and i i understand and i i can understand why some people would not like that mm. in stephen king's writing but i was really into it yeah um how did you feel about the long stretches of passages about the uh um the guy his um his hospital roommate uh mr morris i think um how he he there was long passages of him working on the roof or something. He falls off the ladder, bitching about his wife, bitching about his wife. Yeah. He breaks his leg or something. Right. He goes into the hospital. He recognizes Danker, and then that's where kind of the chips start to fall and everything. Yeah, I feel like all that was um, 
uh, like biding time or mm. distraction. I don't know what the purpose of all that was. I didn't think it was necessary. It's classic Stephen King. It was, it was <laughs> but he just went too far. He just, yeah. Or he just, he took it a little further than it needed to go. Sure. Um, I don't know about too far, just further than it needed to go mm-hmm. for, for the purposes of the story. In <laughs> this story about this kid having wet dreams about torturing and murdering a, a young Jewish girl, yeah. Stephen King took it too far with this <laughs> sidetrack plot of this guy falling off his roof and breaking his leg. <laughs> I just mean creatively. I just mean structurally. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I get what you're saying. It was too much for me. I had to stop reading. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I have a roof. That could have been me. <laughs> Oh my god, <laughs> that's ridiculous. That's so dumb. Um, but no, I I think I think a possible criticism that probably comes up is that what are the chances that yeah. one of his victims is going to be in the same town and they're literally going to share a hospital room? I kind of think that that's why King went on such a far sidetrack. Yeah. Um, maybe to get us talking about that instead of, um, right. and, and the thing is, yeah. personally, my opinion, I'm actually okay with it. I, I think the mm-hmm. fact that they literally share a hospital room is, is, is a bit, is a bit silly, maybe. I think you yeah. can make an argument against it. Um, but I'll say it would have been better if they were just in the hospital and the, the other guy, the victim guy yeah. was, walking around trying to get used to walking again on his broken right. leg and just happened to go by the room and was like, that guy looks familiar. And then right. they stop and talk. I think that's a little more, uh, a little more believable. Sure. Um, but I will say weirder shit has happened. Right. right. The truth is stranger than fiction. Yeah. That a, a Nazi commandant and a, his, one of his victims 40 years later would mm-hmm. share a hospital room. Like weirder shit has yeah. happened. Especially considering like, I mean, people, uh, fleeing Europe and exactly, coming yeah. over here and everything. Exactly. There there are some incredible stories about Jewish families being reunited halfway around the world yeah. that hadn't seen each other for 30 years. Mm-hmm. This stuff happened. And so yeah. it's, you know, and I think they caught, uh, God damn, who was the guy they caught in South America? One of the high up uh, Nazi guys oh. they caught in like the 60s. Oh, um, oh, I referenced him in my Death's Head Revisited review. I cannot of, think uh, of his name. Of, uh, of anthology. Um, uh, I, I can, I, mm. um, Eichmann? I think it might have been, was it, I, it, was it? Adolf Eichmann, maybe? I don't know if I'm making that up. I think so. I mean, it's a good thing we don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> Be a little disturbing. Well, it's, we got to remember history, Tiny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hang on, I've got it right here. Um, I thought I did. Um, but that was like this. I mean, that was twenty years after the war. Right. Okay. Here we go. Um, yeah. Uh, Otto Adolf Eichmann. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, I that? referenced that in my anthology review of Death's Head Revisited mm-hmm. because notable um apolitical uh 
science fiction anthology show, The Twilight Zone, that never did anything political. <laughs> uh, Rod Sterling was inspired to write that episode after the highly publicized trial of Otto Adolf Eichmann, gotcha. considered the architect of the Holocaust. Okay, there you go. I couldn't remember what like he how yeah. high up in the Nazi hierarchy he was, and stuff right? Like that. But he was in like Argentina or something. I can't South America, somewhere. something like that. And someone, I think, someone just recognized him. And yeah. So I mean, this shit happened, right? So I don't, I don't think it's. It's maybe a little far fetched creatively, but mm. again, the truth is stranger than fiction. And so I'm I'm yeah. creatively I'm fine with that. And also it takes place I mean, I think the story takes place when it like present day of publication. So the early At that 80s, point late in 70s, the story, yeah. I think there yeah. Yeah. So that I mean that's I mean, think about it now, obviously. Right. <laughs> um, but like yeah, it's it's not as far removed from the war as you would think right. present day. Right. It's less than forty years after the war. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, but yeah, so. but the long passages about Morris, uh, kind of seemed a little bit, I don't know, it kind of diffused a little bit of the tension. Yeah, totally. But I think that I'm just more attuned to that from just being a fan of Stephen King. Cause so. no, no other character in the book had had more than, you know, a page or two of right. just description or for screen time, basically. Yeah. Um, and it, 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 it all had been Dusander and Todd. Yeah. And with the exception of Mr. French, the guidance counselor. That's true. That's true. Which that's another thing that late in the book, he, I mean, he, he, like, he decides to, he's on like, he's like at a, like a conference or something and mm-hmm. he decides to swing by and check in on, on, uh, Todd's grandfather. Right. And that, that was probably more, that that stretched the believability for me. <laughs> That's a little far fetched. A sure. little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Again, if he had just happened to bump into him or something, right. it, it could have been a much more organic meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But I think we've gotten to the end now. I, right. I love the fact how that all concluded. Basically, yes. Todd is caught by, he gets caught by uh, Mr. French. Yeah. And just the way that. The way up. that plays out. First of all, the cat and mouse game with the police, with the interrogation, yeah, is incredible. Right. Um, I love that because when the police leave, it's like you have all of these pages of this kid that seems like he's seems like he's in control. Like he is at least he's flirting with this very fucked up kind of um, disturbed persona that he like these these disturbing heinous crimes and and this this horrific kind of beast within him and everything and darkness. And he is so attuned with that and he is so conscious of it. And he does all of these things as a budding serial killer, masochist, um, sociopath. And then you get, you get just slammed over the head with like, but he's a teenager. (laughs) These cops are not seeing through his lies, his bullshit and everything. Mm -hmm. That's when the the house of cards is crumbling. And then when Mr. French approaches him and he kills him. And then that last line, (laughs) it is, it is a thing of such disturbed beauty where, uh, Stephen King says, or the, the book, it it says, uh, it was five hours until they, it was five hours. I think it was like five hours and, and nighttime before they find the cops finally took him down. Yeah. Um, cause he's just, he's firing, he has his rifle and he's firing on the highway. Insane. So, so just disturbing and chilling. Right. Yeah. In the eighties, you know, this was published in, what'd you say? 82, mm-hmm. 83? 82. 82. Yeah. That was before mass shootings were, yeah. you know, uh, staple of our culture, unfortunately. And, right. And, and that's what I found really interesting about 
the movie that we're not going to talk about in any detail, but I kept thinking, like, I was wondering if they were going to go with that ending. They don't yeah. really, I don't think. No, I think he... Sh- does he, he just does kills... He, he kills Mr. French. Yeah. yeah. David Schwimmer? David Schwimmer. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then that's Pivot. the end. Pivot. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but Reload. He... <laughs> Reload. I don't know. That's terrible. Um, but he kills him and he doesn't go on the spree, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Well, not interesting, but I, I thought it would have been interesting if they went that route because the movie was released in 1999. I, I don't... Gonna, I was going to say, was it pre-Columbine? I, I don't remember, like, the date of the release date of the actual movie. I'm sure it was filmed before. It was filmed, yeah. Oh, before. it was released in 1998, so it was one oh, year okay. prior to Columbine. Gotcha, okay. Um, Yeah, so that's that, I mean, I just, that would have been uh, somewhat uh, sadly prophetic. Right. Um, yeah. As far as that decision in the movie, I think that was probably a good idea because I think especially, obviously it wouldn't have aged well. Mm -hmm. And I think it would have, um, I think it would have, again, maybe morbid curiosity would have made Mm -hmm. people want to see the movie for that reason. Yeah. Um, After it was so, it probably would have been disparaged for that scene. Right. um, Post in a post Columbine world. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think morbid curiosity might've carried it for a while, but I, I think it would ultimately be, Especially in the time of ultra PC that we're in now, I think it would yeah. be completely disparaged for that reason. The time where comedy is over. <laughs> yeah. <right>? <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I I just think it would be, it, it would it would have completely fallen by the wayside, and people would be just completely bringing it down for that reason. Yeah. Despite the fact that it has all this other uh, controversy around it, and, right? Um, horribleness around it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But so the novella. Um. Yeah. It's uh. You know. Uh, the subtitle of it is Summer of Corruption, I think? Summer of Corruption, yeah. Yeah. Um, how did you feel overall about the novella, Apt mm. Pupil? It, it was just so compelling. Um, mm. And I think, I was wondering, I was going to ask you this, Do you did you feel a sense of a bit of anti-hero-ness? Like, you, you almost didn't want Todd and Dusander to get caught. Um, hmm. it, I kept coming back to the shield. Oh, yeah. Because... They're fucking I, horrible people in the shield. I was thinking right? about the shield when I was talking about the 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 kind of blackmailing each other kind of thing. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. And plus the the teenage kid being interviewed by the cops who's a budding serial oh, killer. Oh yeah. There's a couple. There's a there's a couple episode thread with yeah uh, in the final Dutch, season with yeah. Dutch and the the teenage kid. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, a bit of parallel there, but um, that's right. Just the the hor- just doing absolutely horrible, indefensible shit. But mm-hmm. they also do. In the, it's not a fair comparison because in the shield they're they do a lot of good things too. Right. They're cops who clean up the streets and actually do some good things. Yeah. But, but um, it, it made me think of that a lot because in, in the shield, I was, you kind of root for these guys not to get caught. Um, right. It, it is this, I mean, that is anti-heroism to right. a T. It's this story of, uh, of despicable people doing yeah. despicable things, right. but shades of gray. Um, to answer your question, I, I didn't see, I don't think it was good that he was murdering homeless people um, or vagrants or anything. Um, Certainly didn't like the cat death scene. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say I I think that the kind of central, um, the central kind of conflict of, of, of it from a psychological level is wanting Todd to overcome, like to overcome these impulses and, 
become like an actual um good member of society right um and not fall fall into this really fucked up um destructive and and horrific uh mentality there's a there's a scene with um his parents where they're talking about um they're kind of talking about him um because I think it's because of his grades uh, failing and everything. And so Todd's parents are talking about it and his father and, and his father is kind of talking about his childhood and everything. And uh, Todd's father tells his mother, uh, no one dies happy, but you can die well. And I thought that was really interesting, mm, like yeah. just a really good line. But also I kind of felt like it showed the concern they have for Todd, but also highlighted the impending tragedy of what's to come. Um and I thought that was really interesting, like the little bits and pieces we have of Todd's parents and the way that it's like this kind of totally normal, just uh, regular family, suburban family uh, yeah. without a hint of trouble, uh, the hint of the trouble in their son. Mm-hmm. That made it more disturbing. Right. I think yeah. I think for me, to answer my own question, mm-hmm. um, I, I think I, I sort of had a bit of anti-hero sympathy or, or, or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, kind of rooting for them not to get caught. Up until the point where Todd had become like a teenager and he was murdering people. Right. And, and Danker was luring people back to his house and murdering people. Yeah. Up to that point, I was like, oh man, how far is this going to go? And right. then they take it as far as it can go. Yeah. And it's just so disturbing at that point that mm-hmm. um, I think I think the only way it could have gotten worse is if they had basically teamed up and helped each other. Right. Which I thought... I thought I, I I remembered the ending, so I knew what was going to happen. But mm-hmm. I really wish I had read it fresh as a as an adult because I might have been thinking, "Hey, that's where it's going to go," and that's right. that's one degree, that's one more degree of disturbing nature that this could go to. I wonder if we're going to get there. Uh, right. But I wasn't necessarily rooting to see that because I was right. so disturbed by what they were doing already. Yeah. So I think the whole, not the anti-hero is the wrong word, but like right. more, I guess, I guess morbid curiosity again, just to see how far it's going to go. Sure. I think it started to wear off once they reached that mm-hmm. level. And from that point, it was just like, oh my God, how far are we going to take this? Yeah. Um. Not that that's a bad, I mean, it, it, as far as a reader, it's interesting and mm-hmm. I was compelled by it, but it's disturbing. Yeah. That's what I'm, I'm not saying it was bad writing. Or, sure. Or I didn't like it. Right. Yeah. And the, the, I did kind of think that like, it would be kind of, I, I did think it was going the route of Danker mentoring him in the murdering. Um, I appreciated that it was, that it went, they went their separate ways and they were doing that. Cause that kind of has this idea or this, this present presentation of it in that it's this, um, the way that they came together and they, they were, feeding off of each other in different ways or, or they were, they were reacting to each other's influence in different ways. And then they kind of part ways or not necessarily part ways, but independent of each other, they go about and do these horrific things to bring them together to, to kind of team up for that would have been me. I don't know if I'd say too much, but it, it would have lacked that, um, uh, that plot, propulsion that conflict that is present throughout the rest of the book yeah i will say this is so dumb um i will say that it would have been interesting if they both teamed up and everything and then at the end of the novella novella like you get like oh the end and then after that it's like big jim rennie enters <laughs> enters and he talks about he he tells them oh you're part of a bigger universe we're <laughs> going to talk about the jack torrance initiative <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my god <laughs> 
so dumb. Ridiculous. Yeah. Was that off the top of your head or did you plan that? Uh, while you were talking, I was trying to think of another villain. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, I could not think of the Castle Rock Strangler, Strangler's name. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so anyway. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, parting thoughts, like final thoughts on, on Apt Pupil. Um, how do you feel about this as a summer read? Jeez. <laughs> oh, um, it's, it's just such a good book. And again, mm. it is just such a compelling and thrilling story yeah um and and the characters are despicable Mm -hmm. but you want to keep reading about them yeah again i just keep coming back to the phrase morbid curiosity yeah um that is kind of the major theme of this right of this of this story um Mm -hmm. but it's it's just so structured so well and and Mm -hmm. and the way that it's written is so satisfying from a plot development and a, and a character development and and a comeuppance kind of way. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess another another question that I that kind of just popped into my head is, mm-hmm. do you think this was like, from the character of Todd, do you think this was almost like a happy ending for him? Because like... Oh. He, I, I mean, he, he got to... He killed lots of people. Uh, well, you know, in the slow, methodical way. I mean, right. Like he killed a bunch of homeless people. He had like over a dozen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he went out with a huge bang. We don't mm-hmm. know the numbers or anything, but I it's mean, like they say do what you love and you never work a day in your life. I would say it's not a happy ending. <laughs> but I mean, from his perspective. From his perspective, um, I, I, it is, it is, it kind of is him fulfilling kind of this, uh, this dark, I don't know if I'd say fate or destiny of mm-hmm. him, but it's, I think that the tragedy of, of Todd Bowden is that he did not overcome these, this darkness. He, it is him falling into this darkness and losing himself in his life and mm-hmm. destroying himself in the process. Yeah. Um, from his perspective, I don't, think so because i think that any i i he didn't have a death wish i don't think right that's so i think that like i said do what you love and never work a day in your life (laughs) um i think that he would have wanted to do that more uh, yeah right this is more of a cornered um a cornered uh animal yeah striking out um right that's true that's true but i do see the big the big shootout at the end and him Mm. just with a reckless abandon murdering people um yeah. as like the ultimate high mm-hmm. or like the ultimate orgasm basically right um i i and like this is a disturbing thought that i mm-hmm. had but i i think todd Bowden died with loads of jizz in his pants <laughs> i mean which is a disturbing thing to say yeah or a weird oh, thing yeah. to say but i think he like i think he was he had a raging heart on throughout oh, it oh i 100 percent yeah. agree um, so yeah, but it, that's just an interest, not interest, uh, interesting thought mm-hmm. exercise, I guess, or uh, a way to another way to think about mm-hmm. the ending of the story. But um, so you heard it here first. Tiny <laughs> says, uh, "App people had a happy ending." <laughs> um, <laughs> oh man, from the right perspective, it did. Right, yeah. Everyone's um, the hero of their own story. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, so that kind of derailed that there. But no, uh, I, I definitely see what you're saying, and I, I do yeah. agree that it is. It does reach like he does reach his apex or his zenith. It's a blaze of um, glory. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, but um, but my my total yeah. thoughts are it's a really good book, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend reading it as a teenager, right? Um, not because it's too much or anything like that. Like I I think it's because 
I obviously I didn't appreciate it enough when I read it as a teenager. Right. I think I re- I really wish I had come to it fresh as and, and my, the age I am now. Right, which um, is how I came to it, and that right. was something that I mean I don't think. <laughs> and I'll preface this by saying that we both have public school educations. <laughs> um, I don't think, in my personal experience as a previous teenager, mm-hmm. judging from my own experience, I don't think a teenager has a high likelihood of having the emotional intellect and empathy to really grasp it, it it's 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 far less likely that a teenager would have the empathy or or have the knowledge base to really understand the how just how horrific and horrifying the holocaust was yeah and I how agree. i agree yeah and how absolute like demonstrably monstrous um you know nazism was Mm-hmm. And fucking is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Um, but it's, it, I don't think they have that, that emotional context, um, to that. So I, I, I'm glad that I read it as an adult who, yeah. um, it, at least understands, you know, how fucking horrifying, uh, the world is and can be. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, so that will do it for, I think so. Uh, okay, good. Well, we are going to continue this series. Um, mm-hmm. The next one is going to be in September 21st. Okay. Knock on wood, we can actually get it released on that day. We're just a little late, though. Yeah, it's yeah. still summer. Oh, yeah. 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 But we're going to be talking about, uh, what's it called? <laughs> the Body <laughs> yeah. and uh, Stand By Me, which it's interesting, Tiny. Um it's going to be a fall from innocence. <laughs> uh, the body and Stand by Me, Tiny. As of right now, have you still not seen Stand by Me? Still haven't seen, haven't nice. seen it and haven't read the body. Nice. Um, um, and I basically know the premise of both, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't know like the ending to either. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so okay, I, I'm glad I'll be coming in basically fresh to both stories, mm-hmm. both adaptations. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, man, and Stand by Me was was. They had screenings. You've seen the movie, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, it is. It is up there. It's one. It's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to mention going back to apt pupil real quick. There was an episode of Family Guy <laughs> where Chris Griffin becomes friends with an old man who is uh, a a Nazi in hiding. Oh yeah. And there's that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, anyway, um, Stand By Me is next time, September 21st, so read the novella and watch the movie before then, um, and we'll talk about it. Um, man, it's, yeah, um, cause, yeah, okay, so, I mean, it's weird that this, that after people had a, had a movie starring Brad Renfro, who tragically died, Mm -hmm. and now we have Stand By Me, which has River Phoenix, who tragically died. Right, Um, so anyway. Uh, that is our episode. Uh, that's our happy summer, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> happy eight year anniversary, Tiny. April showers um, bring yeah, May flowers. Yeah, <laughs> and Nazis on, you know, right. highways. I guess. Um, Nazis yeah. marching. Yes. Oh yeah. 
Um, so yeah, so yeah, and again, um, uh, Tiny, congrats on eight years of podcasting. Yeah, thank you. And yes, and uh, and thank you guys so much for listening to us as we talk into microphones for eight years now. <laughs> yeah, it's insane to me. Uh, for context. If you guys only listen to Tower Junkies, we have obviously Obsessive Viewer Anthology and Patreon, a whole bunch of stuff. Um, <laughs> I've done, I've run the numbers, Tiny. Uh, over the last eight years, we have released across all three podcasts. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but over 500 episodes of podcasts. Wow. So our voices are out there. <laughs> forever a lot yes so anyway we really appreciate you guys listening to us and uh yeah i'm gonna go ahead and play us out Uh, thank you guys so much for listening and uh yeah next time i don't know when this is gonna come out but we're either gonna be doing it's the least story either way i don't know if i'm releasing this tonight or tomorrow after i don't know anyway thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you next time All right. Um, <laughs> uh, Tiny just reminded me we did not do our outro. <laughs> uh, yeah, so thank you guys so much for listening. Long days and pleasant nights. And may you have twice the number. Okay. Awesome. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. And now Loki is about to premiere on Disney Plus. And I got some screeners for the first two episodes before the show premieres on June 9th. And I'm going to review the first episode of Loki. And here's my review of the first episode. Hi, Patreon. <laughs> so I, I thought that Loki had a had a natural endpoint there, and to know that he was going to come back in a TV show was kind of like okay. Of the three shows that they that were on the horizon, WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki. I was mildly curious about Loki. I was kind of uninterested in WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I was 100% game for. Now, if you listen to my episodes on Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I was pretty hot and cold. Tower Junkies is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. For a full archive of our episodes, go to TowerJunkiesPod.com slash archive. You can also like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash TowerJunkiesPod and follow us on Twitter at TowerJunkiesPod. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is just a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at towerjunkiespod.com slash donate, or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our TeePublic store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at tpublic.com. For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. 
And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find our flagship movie and TV review and discussion show, The Obsessive Viewer Podcast, at obsessiveviewer.com and on Twitter at obsessiveviewer. You can also find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at anthologypod.com and OVAnthologyPod on Twitter. Finally, check out The Secular Perspective, Tiny's side project podcast, which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at thesecularperspective.com. Music for the podcast is provided with permission from Fingers T on YouTube. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash asgoodasitgetsband. Thank you so much for listening. Long days and pleasant nights. Kitty!